I'm Charles Payne. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Greg Jarrett, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, January 28th, 2020. I'm Trey Yingst. President Biden has signed a record number of executive orders, though many of the policies are popular among most Americans. It's maybe not too surprising they've chosen some of the more popular pieces of the promises that Biden made on the campaign trail and tried to make sort of progress on those immediately. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. President Biden rejoined the Paris Climate Agreement, the World Health Organization, and is reversing a ban on transgender people from serving in the military. While many of his decisions are unpopular among supporters of former President Trump, according to research and polling, they have significant support among a large portion of the American people. I think one of the important things to keep in mind, what some people do when they take a look at orders or uh, presidential memorandum. This is Robert Griffin, research director at the Democracy Fund. Is they start sort of counting beans, right? So they say, ah, well, by this point, there were this many, or, you know, did this person over the course of their entire presidency issued this many? It's a little misleading, right? Because these orders can really vary in terms of their content, right? You've got everything from banal stuff, like, you know, offering federal workers an additional holiday, uh, to really important stuff, right? Truman uh, integrated the armed services using an executive order. So it's usually not that helpful in some ways to actually just look at the pure number. It's really useful to get under the hood and talk about the content of what's happening with any one of these orders most of the time. And there's a lot of orders that cover issues that immediately will change America's involvement in the world, whether it is canceling the Keystone XL pipeline permit or rejoining the Paris Climate Agreement, uh, the World Health Organization. I mean, the list really goes on in terms of this shift in policy from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. Uh, what stands out in your mind as the most consequential? Yeah, and I think, you know, even just to talk about the switch there for a second, right, one of the things that I think is interesting to note here just about the Trump administration is that so many of their accomplishments, the things that they would talk about frequently, were built on these executive orders and presidential memorandum. Now, the problem is, as we're seeing right now, at least for the Trump administration, is that, you know, it's sort of like building a policy legacy on sand, right? That which is done by executive order can also be undone by it in a lot of ways. So that's what we're seeing now with sort of Biden. And, you know, in terms of what's going to be most consequential, that can actually be a little tough to to parse out, right? We know that some of the initial impacts of these things are what they're immediately doing, but some of these things also can seem benign, but also have really substantial impacts, but we're not going to see them for months. You know, you redirect a federal agency to focus more on a particular issue. That could have really big downstream effects. It's actually hard to know exactly what that does immediately. Now, that said, I think the things that are probably having the biggest impact in people's minds, right, are just some of the overturning, again, of some of the the key narratives that the Trump administration had about their successes, right? So you've got diverting funding, right, stopping funding of the southern border wall, right? The construction and funding of that is going to stop through some of the emergency powers at the Pentagon. Um, You've got the revoking of the Muslim ban, Right, so this was a really early policy move of the Trump administration um, that's going to stop. You've got rejoining the Paris Climate Accords, which was a big deal when it happened, and now it's going to sort of have the U.S. bring it back in. These are things, again, it's, you always have to 
sort of gauge these things about how much policy impact they're going to have. But I think in terms of narrative impact, they're, they're just sort of the, the stories the Trump administration told about themselves and their accomplishments. And it's pretty quickly within you know, the course of Biden's administration that these things are going to go away. Talk to me about the research that the Democracy Fund does in terms of the American people and their level of confidence and also their agreement with the policy decisions that are made by any administration. Sure. So, you know, one of the projects I'm involved in uh, is called the Democracy Fund UCLA Nationscape Project. Um, and it's a collaboration between Democracy Fund and political scientists at UCLA. And the general idea is, you know, while there's a lot of surveys out there that keep track of how people are going to vote and upcoming election stuff, ours had a little bit of a different focus in that we wanted to really track people's policy preferences, right? We did a deep dive asking how people feel about policies throughout the course of this project, which we were serving people for uh, more than 18 months. And, you know, one of the things that's worth keeping in mind about a lot of these policies is a lot of times people don't have necessarily the most formed opinions about stuff. That is to say that there's a much higher percentage of people who just will ultimately say, like, they don't know, um, you know, on a lot of these things. But to the extent that we do see people having opinions about stuff, and maybe it's not too surprising, the Biden administration has actually chosen a number of policies here that are particularly popular, right? That, you know, even within a world where a lot of people say they don't know and they're kind of ambiguous about a lot of these things, um, some of the things that they put front and center right at the start of their administration are relatively popular, right? So allowing transgender people to serve in the military, this is supported by, you know, close to 60% of the American public. Um, the Muslim ban, not very popular, right? So only, you know, like 26% support it, right? So this is something that undoing it is, should be relatively popular. Um, creating sort of pathways to citizenship for undocumented immigrants or dreamers, right? These are relatively popular pieces of policy. Um, these are things that, again, I think as the first sort of out-of-the-gate moves by the Biden administration, it's maybe not too surprising they've chosen some of the more popular pieces of the promises that Biden made on the campaign trail and tried to make sort of progress on those immediately. Yeah, and I think it does bring up an interesting point about the narrative that an individual administration will have. I think a lot of Republicans in Washington and conservative media figures try to paint executive orders as something that separates Americans, when actually when you're looking at these numbers, a lot of them are very popular and, and widely accepted and sort of the, the next chapter of American history. And while they may be in contrast to those of the Trump administration, they have significant support. And, you know, I think, too, what people sometimes try to do between administrations is, is try to say, like, well, this is this is a really new thing, or, like, can we believe that the, the administration is doing this right out of the gate? You know, executive orders and memorandum, they've existed for essentially all of American history, right? So... With the exception of, I think, William Henry Harrison, who was famous for, you know, passing away, you know, only just a couple of weeks into his administration, every single president in American history has issued some sort of executive order or presidential memorandum, things that historians recognize as such. So it's really not unusual for administrations to do these things. Um, so, you know, even the sometimes the stories I think we tell about, you know, the number of orders that get put out immediately or how quickly things are happening or how, the number of them that happen. It's, it, you know, these are kind of just you know, political footballs, I think, that people are throwing around. You've been listening to Robert Griffin, Research Director at the Democracy Fund. We'll be right back. When you look forward in, in the coming months, and I think that 
the first 100 days is always a critical period for a new administration because you not only have the perception of the public, but you also have the implementation of these new policies. Where do you think the focus should be for the American people to gauge how successful the administration is during this time period? You know, I think in terms of the public's reaction to things, it's always hard for just to be honest, the American public to gauge a lot of really fine-grained policy changes. That is to say, it's it's tough for them to know about the impact of changes to the administration of the Department of Homeland Security or something. Maybe that's very consequential, but the American public doesn't have a good pulse on that. It's not something that's easy for them to understand. So, you know, I think in a much more direct way, it's likely the case that this administration is going to be judged probably by two things, if I had to take a guess. Um, It's going to be how the economy holds up in 2021. Um, So do people feel economically secure? Are they hearing stories and narratives about the economy doing well or doing poorly? Uh, And how is the pandemic going? Essentially, you know, are people able to return to some sense of normalcy throughout the course of 2021? How fast do vaccinations happen? These are things that it seems more likely people are going to be able to keep tabs on and have some sensibility about rather than kind of more obscure stuff that often doesn't involve their day-to-day life. I guess my last question would be for Americans who are participating in surveys and will ultimately be looking at those smaller agenda items that affect them day to day. What would you say when they're considering an answer on something about how satisfied they are? I mean, how does someone come up with a decision like this? Right. Uh, Do you see this as a most Americans are single issue voters and sort of. I don't want to call them statisticians, but when they're making a decision, are, are they really just looking at one issue that's most important to them? Or do you find that all of these are combined together when, when someone's deciding how satisfied they are with their life and sort of the state of American politics? Yeah, and I, I think it, it's a really, it's a deceptively complex question that you're asking. But um, I, I guess I try to answer it this way. Um, there's variation within the public, right? So you do see folks who at the end of the day, probably are something that looks like maybe a single-issue voter, and there are people who have a much wider set of items that, they're, that are contributing to how they're thinking about the world. So there's a little bit of variation, even person to person. Um, then there's a, a tremendous amount of, frankly, just ignorance, right? So it's most of the time people don't know about policies, right? They don't have well-formed ideas about, you know, our relationship with South Africa. And if that were to come up, right, how would people even begin to form an opinion about what that is or what should be the policy there? There's just a wide variety of things that fall into those buckets of just sort of people not having strong opinions about them. Um, But otherwise, you know, a lot of times people generally have some underlying intuitions about the nature of the world, right, and how it should be ordered. Um, and, and they're, you know, at some level reactive to, a, I think, a broader array of things moving in a positive direction or a negative direction. That is to say that sometimes I think stories get overtold about the number of single-issue voters there are in the world, when in fact, right, there are people who are either one, you know, not terribly well-informed about a lot of this stuff, so it's not that important to them at the end of the day what happens one way or the other with it. Um, But also it's a situation where they're being pressured by a lot, uh, you know, a a conglomerate of issues kind of rather than just sort of a a single one-off item. I really appreciate the conversation and uh, your perspective on all of this. I know that the American people are, are watching to see what the next executive orders will be and how satisfied they are with not only the first 100 days in office, but with this new administration. The Democracy Fund's research director, Robert Griffin. Robert, thank you for your time. And thanks for having me. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.